I overheard in a coffee shop the other day two men who were obviously Christians sharing their Bibles and talking about things. And one of the men said to the other one, what difference does it make if America disappears from the pages of history? We're not even in the prophetic last days. Well, let me tell you why it matters. You see, America is a nation that still has, even with all the craziness that we have today, there is still the remnant, the core of a Judeo-Christian worldview that, that undergirds present-day America. The reason that's important is because we live in a day and age where we're often told that all cultures are equally valid, all cultures are, are the same. It really doesn't matter what your culture is. But I would beg to differ because Cultures have tremendous impact on the way the human spirit develops. Let me give you some examples. I have done quite a bit of travel in my lifetime in Asia and particularly in, in India. I've been in China and I've been extensively in Myanmar and Thailand. Let, let me talk to you about some of those cultures. Uh, let's take India, for example. As a poor country, India has an ethic called Jugad, which essentially means to make it work however you can. In other words, uh, Indians often display a kind of creativity in solving problems because they're not tied to a single strategy. Um, the goal is to just get things to work. So whatever that takes, we'll make it happen. The problem is, out of Hinduism, the only goal is to get things to work. But once it works you're done. You've fulfilled the ethic. So it leads to an entire culture with what I would call a it'll do mindset. It's the idea that good enough is good enough. Everything in India is just good enough. It works, but it's not pretty. It's not lovely. It's not well done. It's just done. Let's look at another, let's look at an Asian nation. Uh, whether you're talking about Japan or China or, or Thailand, they have a very different approach in those cultures. Those are what we call shame-based cultures. Japan is a perfect example. Japan has an ethic of honor and shame, so your performance in any particular task is a reflection not just on you, but on your entire lineage, your entire family. So consequently, everything at first glance in Japan is excellent. The streets are clean, the buildings shine. Uh, you, have to, you have to really work to find a bad meal in Japan. They have this ethic that says it has to be done perfectly. But the reason it has to be done perfectly is because if you don't have an A-plus effort in everything you do, there's a negative reflection on your entire family history. There's tremendous pressure there when your ability to accomplish something is a reflection on everybody that went before you. I know in Thailand, it is virtually impossible if something is done poorly, if something is not done correctly, it is virtually impossible to get somebody to acknowledge that poor job and to come back and fix it. In fact, 
if a workman does a poor job remodeling a house or, 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 or doing a plumbing job or, or some kind of craftsman work, if he does a poor job and you issue a complaint, instead of coming back to fix it, chances are he'll never take your phone calls and you'll never hear from him again. Because to acknowledge that something wasn't done perfectly is to bring shame not only on yourself, but on everybody that has ever been in your family line. The sense of pressure that that puts on human beings is palpable, especially when, when, you, uh, when you realize that you're carrying the weight of the reputation of generations of those who have gone before you, and it has a crushing effect on the human spirit. Now, here's where America, for all of our flaws, is still culturally superior. I mean, we have here not what it once was. We're, we're starting to lose it, but there's still here the remnant of the idea that something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And that if you don't do it, you circle back around and you fix it. Well, many of us have been raised that if you do something right the first time, you don't have to do it a second time. There is a, a, a sense there that if something is important enough to do it all, it should be done well. It's not a it'll do uh, just a, a you know good enough is good enough mindset. Do it well. But when we fail at something, it's not that we impugn the reputation of our grandparents because we made a mistake. The majority of people here, especially outside the, uh, the, the dense urban centers in our country, uh, if you get out into small town America, if you get to uh, the, what, what the, the elites pejoratively refer to as flyover country, what you'll find is that people here are still doing a good job for the sake of doing a good job. Now there's a wrong way to do things and there's a right way to do things, but we more often see people try to do things the right way. I think Americans instinctively lean in that direction. Now, we see this in, in a, an ethic that uh, it will be important globally if America loses this idea of, of doing something well because it deserves to be done well. The call to a good job is a part of our biblical culture. And the, the, the willingness to work with somebody who doesn't do a good job, to help them do it better, that's also a part of the Judeo-Christian culture. It's that element of grace. See, the problem, the problem with shame-based cultures is that there's, there, there's no way out of the shame. It's a, a kind of perpetual black cloud that hangs over you and tarnishes your reputation uh, for the rest of your life. In the same way, there's no motivation in Hinduism to do a good job because Hinduism is a religion based on the idea of reincarnation. And so reincarnation means that it really doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter if you succeed, it doesn't matter if you excel, because you're going to cycle around and, and end up doing it all over again. 
I mean, the goal of reincarnation is to just be a little bit better this time around than the last time so that the next time you're in a little bit better position, you're in a little bit higher caste. But frankly, good enough is good enough. Hinduism sucks the, the motivation for uh, excellence right out of your life. And a shame-based culture like Thailand or Japan, uh, it, it really uh, creates a kind of crushing weight that you have to live with. What have we seen here out of our Christian culture? Well, Christianity acknowledges that we're broken people, so we're never going to be perfect, but that we are striving to be the best that we can be, that we can do more. There's grace available when we fall short, but we want to be better. We want to advance. The broken models of other cultures are not sustainable. It would be a bad thing for the earth, for America to pass away and disappear from the earth. We are still uh, a remnant of the culture that has produced the greatest nation in the history of the world. We can hold on to that. Let me give you an example of where this ethic comes from. As Paul writes in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, he uses the language of slaves and masters, but we take these terms and we use it in terms of employers and employees. But he says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. In other words, he says, we don't do something because we're afraid of our bosses. We do something because ultimately we answer to Christ. And so we want to be the best that we can be. So we want to be good employees. We want to be productive. We want to do the best that we can do. It is ingrained to us as followers of Jesus because we walk in his steps. Now that's where we come to the problem of the direction that our culture is moving. What I might call woke secularism in America today is the American version of the shame-based culture that we see across Asia. Let me explain what I mean by that. We don't use the word shame. We call it cancel culture. But what happens is in this kind of woke secularism, um, shame or some offense against the, uh, the, the politically correct position on anything, it produces a cancellation process where the culture tries to weigh in to get you fired, to get you, uh, you know, relieved of any leadership responsibility, to get you canceled. But here's the thing about that kind of shame. There's no way out of it. Progressive, the progressive left in America uh, takes any offense and turns it into a perpetual penance without any hope of forgiveness. Progressive secularism uh, has no atonement. There's no way that somebody else can pay the penalty of, of your sins. There's no forgiveness. There's no grace. There's no restoration. There's only destruction. If you're not in tune with the movers and shakers on the left, then there's nothing available to you except to be completely destroyed, to, be so, uh, to become so irrelevant that no one will ever 
notice you again. The problem is that they have shifting standards and the politically correct attitude on any given topic shifts, it changes from day to day. The standing with the movement is always a moving target. You can never be correct enough. In fact, it's kind of fascinating really to stand back and watch the left self-cannibalize itself. That's the nature of the philosophy because the standards are always in motion and so you've got somebody that's just as woke as they can be, and they say one word that's out of step with the current uh, mindset, and the left turns on them with a kind of vicious anger. And yet, that sort of self-cannibalizing philosophy is never applied at the very highest levels uh, of the elite who are promoting this ever-changing secularism. I mean, just think about the, 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 the double standard of justice in this country. We have Black Lives Matters leadership once promoting uh, the oppression of the man and, and, and burning down businesses and cities because they hated capitalism, only to find out that they've taken money given to their movement and they've bought mansions in high-dollar, high-rent neighborhoods. Isn't it funny how uh, the rules don't apply to the leadership? We have liberal politicians who are free from investigation or indictment even though they are pushing investigations and indictments of others who are not in their camp. But the rules are different for them. Antifa thugs are released from prison after arrest and never prosecuted. Congressmen become incredibly wealthy because they practice insider trading based on information that they have access to that allows them to go to the market and buy stocks in advance of movements. If you and I did that, we would be arrested. Insider trading is illegal unless you're in the elite. Pedophilia is glossed over. Sex trafficking is... Uh, is, is hidden. The reality here is we've created a shame-based culture, but it's a two-tiered shame-based culture. And it is only for those who aren't in power to feel shame and to be canceled. If America doesn't recover the Judeo-Christian worldview, that was the secret of our success, the foundation of, of who we are as a nation, we will find ourselves in the same boat that the people of Judah found themselves in when God issued this proclamation. We're going to go back to the prophet Isaiah. He wrote 800 years before Jesus, so 2,800 years ago from today. I want you to see if this doesn't sound incredibly relevant. Isaiah chapter 3, God's talking about his judgment, and he says, The mighty man and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the esteemed person, the counselor and the expert artisan, I will make mere boys their leaders, and mischievous children will rule over them. 
In other words, God said one of the parts of his judgment on a nation is that he removes good leaders. He takes away statesmen and he replaces them with mischievous children. And what's the result of that? The people will be oppressed each one by another and each one by his neighbor. The youth will assault the elder and the contemptible person will assault the one honored. Folks, I don't know any other way to say it, but we are currently experiencing a passive judgment of God on this nation. And part of the evidence that I point to for that is the statesmen the great leaders that have characterized American history, they are nowhere to be found. And we are being led by children, mischievous children who are spoiled, who don't know right from wrong, and who only want what they want because they think they deserve it. It is time for us to pray Folks, it matters if America survives. I understand that the end times uh, may be right around the corner, but I also understand that as long as we're here, this, this is not an elevation of America. This is an elevation of the Judeo-Christian culture that produced America. The key here is not to, to make America survive. The key here is to maintain a nation where the truth of God's word is foundational and that gives us a tremendous influence and impact for good on this globe. That's why it matters. And so rather than washing our hands and just uh, sitting back and watching the show, we are in the game. We are good employees. We are living by an ethic, by a standard. Even if it's not common anymore like it once was, we will be the people of God the best we can be, and we will still fight to save a nation that has traditionally made the world a better place. I'm not more loyal to America than I am to the kingdom of God, but when the kingdom of God is foundational to a nation, that nation will be beneficial to all the other nations of the world. And until God says otherwise, that is still the plan for the United States of America. Let's do our part. Just like the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, may the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Truth Currents. Well,